This is a Live Well Talk on a day in the life of sterile processing tech. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UniPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. As I've said before, a hospital is not just a building that doctors and nurses work at. Medicine's a team sport, and there's so many people that contribute to patient care that a lot of the people in the community don't want know that, you know. Um, so today joining me is Justin Hines. He has worked uh, here a little over two years, he said, yeah, uh, in the sterile processing department. We're going to pick his brain and find out just what sterile processing does. Uh, it's always interesting to talk to people who work in the basement of the yeah. hospital, right? You know, you and the pathologist. So, mm-hmm. so we're going to get to the bottom of that. But, you know, I want to start off by saying my dad always said, respect people, show respect for people that if they don't show up for work, bad things happen. Yeah. You know, so trash guy doesn't go to work, your trash piles up, you know, the, uh, and we could go through that, you know, and I think that the, the sterile processing is one of those jobs. If you aren't here doing it, oh, surgery cases start. So just start by telling me what, what, what do you, what is it you do? Um, so sterile processing, um, deals with, you know, what happens with surgical instruments after they're done being used in the operating room. So uh, not a lot of people really put much thought into it. I know I didn't before I started working here. Um, So um, we've actually uh, heard stories about people who think that surgical instruments just get thrown away. Um, But in reality, they get transported down to us after they're done being used and we decontaminate, um, evaluate that they're you know, in good working order uh, to be used again. Um, and then we re-sterilize and then transport them back up to the operating room to be put in sterile storage to be used again. Um, so like my favorite way to think about it is um, in the chain of infection prevention, we are the first link of that chain. Absolutely. Um, and we tee up the surgeons, the surge techs, the nurses up in the OR to do their job um, correctly and more importantly, ensure a good um, outcome and reduce risk of surgical site infections uh, for the patients. You know, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like I don't believe other people take their jobs seriously. Uh, I don't mean that at all. But I've always been impressed with the blood bank, how like they just, they're all business, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and still processing, I think Marie and her, her crew down there are just, you take your job seriously because it's a big yeah. deal. That's not to mean I don't think everybody else takes their jobs seriously, right. uh, but uh, it is an important element that people just have no idea that that would be part of it. No. You know? And, you know, we've had um, stories of, um, you know, issues with like Joint Commission finding an issue and like all the trays have to come down um, to be reprocessed again. And that has shut hospitals down for days to get through all that. So um, ensuring that we do our job important is very important to us because we want to make sure that, you know, things are running smoothly for everybody else. So you not only clean that, you mentioned you clean them, but you also mm-hmm. make sure that they're in good working order prior to going back and, mm-hmm. and, and everything's in the right, you know, I'm going to call it tray. I know that's yeah. the lingo, but it's the right box. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so we kind of separate it into different sections uh, down in sterile processing. So we have decontamination. Uh, it's its own little walled off area, completely separate from the rest because that's where the dirty, gross stuff is. Um, and it'll do an enzymatic soak, um, which is a soak in a solution to help break up any of the bio burden. Um, and then from there it gets put into a washer. It'll get chemically and thermally disinfected in the washer. So it's safe for us to handle on the clean side. Um, and then from there, we'll check all the instruments, make sure that they are truly clean. There's no bio burden that made it through the washers. Um, and then 
um, for like needle holders. We want to make sure that it's doing its job, holding suture, holding needles. So we want to make sure that those are grasping properly. We want to make sure that uh, the scissors are sharp. Um, that anything that has moving parts is moving in the way that it needs to be. To, you know, for the listeners, bio burden is just a nice way to say blood and guts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're just being. You're just Justin. You're just being polite. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Take me through. So, like, how many trays do you do in a day? That is a really hard question to okay, answer. Because, right. um, like, you know, we can take a look at um, somebody's productivity stats is what we call it down there. You know, how many trays trays they assembled, how many items they worked through in assembly. And you might have somebody who did 15 trays that day. Um, and you're like, that seems kind of low because, you know, this person did 40. Um, but then you take a look at what was actually in those trays. Right. So, like, yeah. uh, we have some really intense trays, like trauma trays that have a lot of really small screws for, you know, um, putting bones back together. Um, so those ones have hundreds of items that we need, we need to account for, make sure everything's there. Um, and then, you know, you have much simpler ones like suture sets. You know, those are some of our most simplistic trays. It has um, very common items that we see, um, and you can do those in just a couple minutes um, once you're comfortable with them, once you know what the instruments are and know what you're looking for. You get pretty um, good at it, huh? Yeah. So um, it, it really varies day by day. Um, and that's one of my favorite things about working down there is there's, you know, you never have a day that's the same. There's never the same caseload. Um, and there's never the same workload. And there's always a variety of things that you're going to do down there. How much, how many trauma trays do we have? Um, you can guess. I'd say 20, 30, um, wow. maybe more. You know, if we ever had a mass casualty situation. Yeah, yeah. And all of them serve different functions. Right. You know, we have some that are specifically for your radius and your oldna. Um, we have some that are more designed for, you know, your femur. They have big, beefy plates. We have, um, it's one that we don't actually own. It's a uh, Stryker sales rep tray. So, you know, uh, the company Stryker loans that to us and we reprocess that and keep it here um, for the events it's a, a gamma tray it's used for nail and rods if someone breaks their femur okay um, all right we can add those rod supports to the leg um yeah i see sometimes i'll see the uh reps coming in and out with the two-wheeler you know looks like they're push around trays yeah. so that must be they must be heading down to see you um did you ever think you'd end up doing you know i te- teased you at the beginning about yeah. working in the basement but uh, did you ever think you'd end up working in the basement of a hospital no um so uh, like I said earlier, I had no idea about sterile processing. I'd, I'd never put any thought into what happens to the instruments after they're done being used in the OR. Um, and I actually I went to school for uh, film and television. Um, so uh, this is a far stretch from that. But um, when COVID hit, I was just looking at different things that would be meaningful ways to fill my time um, and just stumbled across this job posting and was like, well, that sounds interesting. That's really neat. Um, so I applied. I came in, and the interview process here is really neat um, at uh, Unity Point in general because, you know, you come in, and then you do a short little job shadow, and then there's a peer interview process where you get to talk to the team members, not just the manager. Um, and I just – I instantly fell in love with it and um, the importance of the work that is yeah, done here. Yeah, You have one of those jobs where, like – the busier and more chaotic the day, the more that they needed you. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so, so sometimes when like everything goes perfect for me, at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, they really didn't even need me today. You know, mm-hmm. they could have got by without me. But, you know, it's those days when you're like, just nothing goes as expected. But you, at the end of the day, you kind of feel like, hey, I did something today. Yeah. You know, I, at least I do. I mean, my favorite days are when I walked my car and I just have to, you know, sit down for like five minutes and just be like, I'm so tired. <laughs> that, those are good days. Yeah. That's a day well spent. Yeah. Um, now, you know, you talked at the beginning that people think everything's disposable. Well, but we do live in a disposable mm-hmm. uh, generation, if you will. Uh, you know, whether it's televisions uh, to that. Do, do sometimes people throw stuff away out of those trays, like surgeons and staff, because they think it's disposable and you, you stuff's missing? Uh, sometimes, yeah. yeah. There, there's certain instruments sometimes that uh, because we do use a mix of reusable and disposable up in the OR and, you know, in the different clinics here at Unity Point. Right. Um, and there are times that we'll have stuff come down and there's a good chunk of stuff missing and we're like, uh, um, where where is it? Um, so we'll communicate up with the OR. And um, unfortunately, by that point, you know, after a surgery is done, all that trash is collected and uh, taken away. Right. So yeah. we have no way of finding it. So sometimes there's situations where we just have to hold the tray down there until we can get replacements if too much stuff's missing or we just have to send it up and be like this stuff's missing we'll get it back at some point wow that's interesting yeah when we went to the disposable out at the wound clinic it's both you know there'll Mm -hmm. be some uh reusable and some disposable i just the disposable i just don't like it as well i don't know it's just like you know you guys actually make sure that the needle driver works and the Mm -hmm. scissors are sharp and there's nothing worse than getting in the middle of a procedure and having dull instruments or a needle driver that won't, you yeah. know, pick up the needle. Yeah. And uh, that is frustrating. Okay, so you said you're in film and television. Yeah. So we might have more of a role for you here on the podcast network. Uh, but uh, is there is there a degree you can go get, like associate's degree to be sterile processing or certification? Tell me about that. Um, so uh, like Kirkwood, for example, uh-huh. um, is just recently, in the past year or so, um, has... I don't even think they're calling a degree. Uh, you might get an associate's degree out of it, but it's more of just a specialty program that they have that is uh, uh, central services. So that's um, sterile processing and supply distribution in one. Um, so su- supply distribution, they work right next door to yeah, us. Yeah, and you guys certain right hospitals, it's, it's, you know, it's one department. Yeah. Um, and uh, what they do is making sure that uh, all the all the different areas are well stocked. All the cases are picked for the next day. Working with the OR in that aspect, right. and then we handle all the ick. Um, but they have that program that uh, they're doing, and it involves you know job shadowing, internships. Um, so I find that really fascinating that that's actually starting to get some attention. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, there are certifications you can get. Um, so we work primarily at uh, St. Luke's here. Uh, I think everybody um, that has certifications has it through HSPA, which is the Healthcare Sterile Processing Association. Um, and they have four different certifications that you can get. There's the CRCST, CIS, CER, and CHL. Um, and the entry level one is the CRCST, and that's Certified Registered Central Service Technician. Um, and that deals with um, you know a proctor's exam- proctored exam that you have to take. There's... Um, 400 hours of, uh, you know, on-hands experience that you have to have before getting that certification. Um, and even though it's not required, it's something we strongly encourage everybody who works in the sterile processing department to have. So if I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast because, you know, 
my world revolves around the 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 high quality of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I hear I'm a listener and I say, you know what, I'm I might want to that job sounds kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Do I I do I get to will will to St. Luke's do, will they teach me how to do it and I just have to be interested and yeah. willing and yeah. okay, cool. Uh so long as, you know, our our favorite people are people who don't know yeah. anything about it because We've had people come in from different uh, hospitals, different sterile processing departments, and the biggest issues we have with their orientation is not their knowledge, but the fact that they did it different somewhere else than we do here. So having to kind of break them of that habit and be like, you know, this is our process here. Um, whereas, you know, if we have somebody fresh and new, it's here's the process, here's how we do it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's so yeah, nobody much likes the new guy that's going, well, this is how we did it where I was before, right? right? Nobody right. likes that guy. And then there's times when you have to admit, well, gosh, that way is better than what we're doing. It. Mm-hmm. You just hate to admit it, though, yeah. you know? I mean, that's me. You, you talked about the interview process, mm-hmm. right? You talked about the pandemic and you're looking at what, what, what attracted you to St. Luke's? What did you say? Okay, this is the place I want to work. What What was it? Uh, so before I... Um, and you could... I, it was probably listening to my podcast. But beyond listening to my podcast, what what was it that you said, okay, this I'm going to work here? Um, so beyond... Uh, before I started um, down the path of my other degree of study, um, I had my CNA. Um, and, you know, right out of high school that when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I was, I was doing work as a CNA. So when COVID hit and, you know, everything shut down, I was like, I, I might look at healthcare again. Um, but one of the reasons I stopped doing CNA work is because I did uh, work in hospice. And that is, if you've never done it, it's really hard. It's so emotionally draining. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to look at more of a support role. Um, so, you know, I was looking and just stumbled across this. Um, and I actually, you know, I, uh, there was an opening at Mercy as well. And, um, coming in and doing the interview here, I didn't even go to the interview at Mercy just because I fell in love with the culture here. Um, everybody, you know, in the department and I, I work closely in my lead role, um, in the department, I work closely with the OR as well. And just the culture in those two and the relations, the relationships that, uh, we all have, um, is just such a magnetic thing that I so desperately wanted to be a part of. You know, it's, it's when you've been here a while, uh, I think sometimes you forget that and you, you, just take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just like any other relationship. You got to work at it, you know, yeah. uh, but definitely you can go other places and experience places that don't have a good culture mm-hmm. and it's so palpable, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I do think that's one of the great things about working here at St. Luke's. Yeah. Justin, thank you for joining me. This was really interesting. Yeah, and thank once you. again, uh, we've outlined that uh, medicine is a team sport. And there's a lot of people behind the scenes or what I call secondary stakeholders that are making things happen. Uh, Justin is the lead sterile processing tech with St. Luke's Sterile Processing Department. If you're interested in a career as a sterile processing technician at St. Luke's, visit unitypoint.org backslash careers. That's unitypoint.org backslash careers. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.